Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Read her! Shh! Welcome everyone to the very first episode of Read Her. Read Her, it's the book club on the radio. Books are written by women who love women, about women loving women. Rejoice in the written word, revel in the plethora of lesbian authors. Improve your clitoracy. The women of joy bring you Read Her. Read Her. Woo! It's our first week we're kicking things off. Alice. We're here. Tanil, we are. And oh. Katie is also joining us. Our Thanks so much, Katie. Our first woman of joy joining us. I'm so excited. Hi, Tanil. Hi, Alice. Thank you. <laughs> so, first of all, we wanted to thank um, our previous show. Yeah, thank you, Outtakes. You're amazing every single week. Um, it's Absolutely. a pleasure to follow on from you. Actually, it's a bit of a, yeah, bit of a high standard set there. That's right. And we raise the bar. Yeah, we'll we're see. only lowering it. It's like the cultural evening, no, film. Literature, 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 literature. You guys, you've introduced me to a new term. (laughs) (laughs) That we've already won. (laughs) That was the goal, Uh (laughs) and it rolls off the tongue. Literature, I love it. (laughs) It does, Alice. (laughs) If you do it right. So now that we've gone all the way there, um, this this week we've got our first book, and we're really really excited. Um, so just taking it a step back, what we're going to be doing is every week reading a new book. Every sixteen books in sixteen weeks. That's right. We're fools. We've committed ourselves to that, haven't we? We have. Yeah. So every week we're going to read a book. At the end of each show, we're going to tell you what we're reading for next week. So you can, if you choose, foolishly commit to reading a book in a week with us. <laughs> That's correct. Good luck. <laughs> Hopefully Thanks, you will have read some of them already. So it's a quick, quick restart. Look, tonight's book was over 500 pages and I read it in a week. I nearly killed myself, but mm. was, I was rereading it. Oh, well, that's lucky because mm. on the iPhone it was 1,139 <gasps> pages. Okay. That was hard. It's worth it. <laughs> it was totally worth it. The book is, Alice? Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. Mm, seminal work. Potentially. So we're looking forward to talking about it. Spoilers. So if you haven't read the book, be aware we are going to talk about stuff that happens. And this book particularly, if you don't want to be spoiled, turn off now because it has so many twists and turns. Read and then come back and pick up the podcast. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to. Even just telling you that... You know, there are twists and turns is a bit of a spoiler, so you better just step away. <laughs> Truly. That's true. Actually, even the next bit is going to be a spoiler. <laughs> We're going to start right now. So our first book in the Read Her series is Sarah Waters' third novel, Fingersmith. Published in 2002, it continues the author's exploration of Victorian England, this time as a crime novel. Fingersmith is the story of Susan Trinder, an orphan raised by Mrs. Suxby in her den of thieves and abandoned babies. The novel tracks her involvement in an intricate plan to steal an innocent girl's fortune. Terrible, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. A thriller, a love story, a shamelessly Dickensian tale that hurls us into the middle of Lance Street and the cacophony of characters that scrape by bouncing from scam to scam. Sue is sent to the countryside to maid for the heiress and lady Maud Lilly and to convince her to marry the dashing and deceitful Mr Rivers. From Lance Street to the countryside and the madhouse and back, Sue learns the art of trickery is both the trickster and the tricked. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yep. Yes. Totally. And that's quite good because it's quite a hard book to sum up. Very well done. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot of reviews as well to see what they were saying. But it is. It's a, it's a kind of book that um, it's got everything in it. Oh, it's extraordinary. It really is. extraordinary. And 
you know, page after page, section of there's three sections, mm. and uh, it's told from different points of view. Sometimes it's told from Sue's point of view, sometimes from Maud's point of view, and there's just shock upon shock. There is, there uh, is. It's it's, a, it's amazing. Mm, it's fantastic. What did you think, Alice? Well, I have to. I, I mean, I've told you both this already, but. I have to confess that this is the first time that I've ever read a Sarah Waters book, even though I have been a lesbian for 24 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I actually saw the movie adaptation before I read the oh, book. Okay. I know, <laughs> I know. And the Korean film adaptation. The TV adaptation. Well, what does you mean? that mean? It's a no. great adaptation. No, no there's the a film. movie, Katie. A movie of Fingersmith as well. Yes. This is the Korean one. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. So you saw that first. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. So we'll talk about that in a little we bit. We will get to adaptations. But so I did really like the book. And I wasn't sure because I don't like historical fiction at all. Okay. And I also thought, I guess because it is kind of a lesbian book, that's how people talk about it. That was my impression of it. I kind of thought it was a romance predominantly. And it's not. Mm. It's like a historical crime story. Oh, it's a heist. Which I love. So like a heist. The biggest heist. I found it yeah. very readable for a book that's uh, half a thousand pages. Well, that's Sarah Waters for you. I, I, in contrast to you, I'm a massive fan of hers. And I've read every one of her books. As soon as she publishes a new book, I get it. I read mm. it. Yep. Um, I adore her. She's my favourite author out of everybody. Oh, perfect yeah. show for you to be and, uh, and... Like she's written, I think it's um, six novels. All of them are big, big books. Yeah, uh, Fingersmith is one of the bigger ones. And uh, this isn't my favourite of hers, but it's up there near the top. It's in the top three. Out of it's six. a it's a fun book because it does. You keep reading, and my my experience was that you just want to keep reading. Yeah. it's such an adventure, even though at every turn you know that that our main character is not safe. Um, but it's just so fun to go on that adventure with her. Yeah, yeah. and it's, I mean, you know, the commentary on, on uh, sort of, as you say, Dickensian because it's full of characters from from the lowest parts yeah. of, of society of the time um, who have, who have uh, some, of, some of whom are incredibly evil. Mm. And, and, you know, Mrs. Suxby runs a, runs a, house where she it's takes in baby farmer it's it, yeah it's a baby farmer she she doses them on gin she doesn't care if they die no. and uh it's it, it's horrible mm. it's really horrible and then of course the madhouse bit which is a which is a, a, a sanatorium for titled ladies which mm. sue is sent to even though she's not a titled lady although she is um kind yeah. of a complicated <laughs> you have to read it um yeah. i mean that's another horrible horrible place yeah so yeah the the, the, I've read quite a few Dickens as well mm. and to contrast his male point of view with her highly, highly female point of view mm. and the place of women in this in Victorian society is wonderful. It was wonderful, it's a wasn't wonderful, it? wonderful turning of that on its head. Yeah, which is, I mean, when you think about Sarah Waters actually having her Masters in historical uh, or gay lesbian historical fiction mm. um, and her absolute love of, I mean, I, I know when she was writing Affinity, she just absorbed herself in like gothic novels and that mm-hmm. sort of thing and, and a similar a situation with this one, she, a lot of Dickens mm-hmm. um, to kind of capture those characters. And true fact, I... um. I read that she said in an interview that every single book that Maud references, every pornographic yeah. book that Maud references is a real book. Yeah. Mm. So you can tell she really likes the research. Like that's something yeah. that she's passionate about. And that comes through in such an effortless way. Yeah. Mm. It's not dense, It's yeah. but it's there. I mean, there's another, th- another extraordinary thing. When you find out that Maud, who we've mm. only seen from Susan's point of view in part one, yeah. Maud narrates part two, and we find out that the work she's doing for her uncle is not – 
genteel at all. No, what he's he not collects, a secretary. No, what he collects and and is um, making a so dictionary yeah. of are erotic and pornographic novels and pictures of the era. Mm. Amazing. Which in itself is actually quite yeah, and quite she's, extraordinary. The two girls are seventeen, and and he makes Maud read out some of these things to these gentlemen men. who come calling. I mean, Lascivious. it's obscene. <laughs> it is. It's it's really and and to know that Susan is so innocent yes. in all of that is just beautiful. So I guess uh, if we kind of think about some of those themes and to carry on from there, I guess one of the ones that kind of really comes out to me is this kind of perpetual. A cycle of betrayal, like yep. everyone's being betrayed. Yep. I think you could safely say that betrayal is a big theme in the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, like you said, Katie, you've got to read it, but um, oh, everyone's being betrayed by someone. Oh, no you, one's safe. No, as soon as you think you can trust someone, yeah, bam, it turns on its head and mm-hmm. they're not trustworthy at all. No. And they've got a naughty motive. Yep. Everybody does. And you feel that as the reader, especially because <gasps> so you're you're put into the perspective of the characters. You're like, I feel betrayed. I can't believe uh-huh. that that character did that to me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And you, you, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, we have such an affinity with um, with Susan, which we're meant to have an affinity yeah. with Susan. So you feel very protective of her. But there's always that thing in the back of your mind that you're justifying her betrayal all the yeah. time and you kind of get through that and then it's – just gets turned on its head. But at the in the at the end, we we all still. I mean, like I definitely, definitely team Susan. Well, because both both girls out. are victims of oh. of the biggest scam of all by Mrs. Saxby. Yeah. Um. And there's another amazing female character. Yeah. Uh, the baby farmer, the woman who has uh, cared for young Sue for seventeen years in planning this ultimate heist. It's a long game. Yeah. I mean. Mm. No, <laughs> I was just reading last night actually about. Have you heard the term magnificent bastard? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, magnificent bastard is sort of a, is a TV trope, if you like, of uh, of a particular character in a TV show who is charismatic, um, kind of bad but lovable, and pulls off a long con. She is an ultimate <gasps> magnificent, magnificent bastard. bastard. That's so interesting. I had not heard that before, That's but fantastic. that is really appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I should uh, I look up the uh, the characteristics and 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 uh, maybe put them in we show notes because yeah. uh, she she. Particularly the long con aspect. Yeah. And I think also at the end, like how Mrs. Suxby kind of almost redeems herself in many ways at the end um, when she ends up losing her life. I don't know. I never forgave her. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, but giving her her, herself in in place of possibly in place of Maud, although we don't know that. Well, Maud or Susan, really. I think both of them to sort of, yeah, sacrifice herself. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I suppose she is redeemed. A little bit, like a teeny bit. <laughs> Certainly I mean, more than either of the kind of male antagonists. Oh, they were just awful. They they were complete write-offs. <laughs> no, there's not now. one rede- – oh, apart from the young boy who helps oh, um, Susan. I mean, he is painted as simple, um, but he simple. does – He's not really an antagonist. I, I he's mean, not simple. He's just very, very sensitive. And, and Sue calls him a Nancy, yeah, which, which is unkind. But very of the time. Do you think he's in love with, with Rivers? Oh, I don't know. I didn't really read. I I kind of just read that he was he was, you know, stuck in that countryside, and and every other character that we met in that countryside was, um, quite decrepit and quite yeah, gross really. And then Mister Rivers was this sort of breath of yes. Fresh air from that perspective, so yeah. I, I think he, the young boy, th- saw him as as his ticket out. Um, which I, I mean, I mean, that's just such a 
such a, a theme, isn't it? Trying yeah. to get out of this situation. Yeah. Everyone apart from probably old Mr. Lily was trying to get out of this situation. Yeah, true. How did you feel? I mean, one of the things that um, I guess is quite common with lesbian literature is this whole idea of this sort of innocence and this affection leading to desire and this almost sexual awakening sort of thing. How did you <laughs> kind of feel about that, Katie? Um, <laughs> it's a love story. Mm. Um I mean, it's a kind of Sarah Waters thing too. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about wider, across the wider corpus of lesbian, lesbian literature. I haven't thought of, of it uh, yeah. in that, from that perspective. Tell me what you guys think. I guess so. a very common theme that I've sort of picked up in reading a lot of lesbian books um, over the years is this kind of um, friendship that kind of develops and then mm. all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, down the rabbit hole. I, I didn't <laughs> so realise that, you know, and it's it's also a very common um, sort of thing in uh, pornography as well, this kind of yes, accidental of lesbianism. Especially amongst young girls, yeah. this kind of like, oh, you know, we're just experimenting with each other yeah. and kind of framing that as not real sex either. Yeah, which I thought was interesting because this got really turned when we find out in that second part, Maud is not innocent mm, yeah. um, and she was actually quite predatorily um, – kind of coming on to sue yeah. which was actually quite an interesting thing yeah um i don't know but i mean look sarah what not all of her novels are set in victorian england the first mm, three first are three, yeah but um all of them are set in the past and in eras where lesbianism or lgbti issues or people were not out yeah um, and where it was a culture of of either denial that such a thing existed or fear Mm. of being exposed because it was illegal yeah you know so in a way she's 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 justified in in portraying characters like this because you know someone like sue who's so innocent even though she's from the the south london criminal environment she's so innocent she would never have heard of lesbian or gay and yet as you know i felt so sorry for her like when you reread it or when you get to that second part in the book or when you're watching the the um the bbc series i feel so bad for her thinking oh she's being tricked like she thinks she's being this wise you know girl from the borough explaining what happens to a man and a woman on their wedding night and then you know it's interesting it's it's quite interesting because it's not at all um it's not really sexy at all. Like it, do, it did nothing for me. What at do all. you mean that sex scene? Yeah, get out of here. No. I, thought, I thought there were a few erotic moments. Oh my God. Not a lot. Hello, I have to disagree with, with you thimble? here. Really? <laughs> yeah, because Ugh. when I read Tipping the Velvet, okay, so that's Sarah Waters' first book. I thought, oh my God, these sex scenes are so hot. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, she writes sex so beautifully. Oh, the writing's beautiful. I just was like, <laughs> the whole time cringing, they go, not me. This isn't nice. You're That's all being so deceived funny. here. Not me. I, I <laughs> just. Their consent, you know. That's right. I got all these women, consent. you know, in control. No, I got all hot and bothered, you guys. <laughs> oh, really? <yeah. laughs> well, okay. I'm glad, Katie. That is. <laughs> So good. <laughs> really good. And you're furthering it motivated you to further your clitoracy. Definitely. Yeah. That's what matters. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. So Thank I've I've sold I've lent tipping the bell for different people and said, You gotta read this. The sex scenes are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I did think they required and this is my first Sarah Waters book, as I said, so I can't speak to her body of work, mm-hmm. Katie. <laughs> but um I did feel like they were um 
sweet and a few were a bit steamy but um they did require a little suspension of disbelief for me yeah and i found that across like their characters generally like this whole thing of like obviously like there there wasn't that much conflict about you know if we understand that you know they're so innocent that they don't even know what lesbianism is and they Mm. don't know what's happening like there was no conflict around that which i actually don't mind but there's i felt like there was a slight disconnect in the the realism of the situation like do they know because she also like you said she calls um the servant boy a nancy yeah so that implies like a and like historically there was an understanding of homosexuality especially because she's from this like working class neighborhood yes of homosexual men not necessarily women well that's a good point yeah i mean queen victoria we're in the victorian era and queen victoria didn't put it in the law remember because she said such a thing didn't exist couldn't imagine it i mean i'd be interested how do you both feel about that i don't know but I thought it was it was a little bit of a it gave me a moment of pause. <laughs> and I guess this is back to the innocence was my yeah. reflection on the innocence. How realistic is that innocence? To me, the innocence required almost a suspension of disbelief. I think um, from my perspective, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying there, but I think that. And I think the translation of the BBC series did it really, really well with Maud's character, this kind of constantly very uptight sort of feeling this, yeah, uh, yeah. I know what you're saying though. There is this kind of moment where you just sort of, oh, okay, I've got to choose to be in this. But um, I, I also know what you're saying in terms of it being steamy because it it's quite it's quite <laughs> graphic. Yeah. But not… Um, it's sensual. It is, yeah. yeah. It's not gratuitous. It's not gratuitous, but it's it's quite descriptive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, although she doesn't descriptive. Although she doesn't, you know, use anatomical terms. It's all about the sensation and yeah. I think sensual is a good word. It is a good word. It's all about the 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 touch, the feel, the the feeling. Yeah. Um. The texture. Yeah. Uh, It's slippery. (laughs) 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 Yes. Well, well, hopefully, hopefully it is. So, and and I just I just feel as though. uh, a girl of Sue's type especially, is so driven by her feelings. She's mm. so – I mean, God, she is a drama queen. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, you know, reading the fa- the last bit of the book when she's finally out of – she's escaped from the mm. mental place and she's come back to London and she discovers that um, Maud is – Yeah, Maud's uh, there. Mrs. Suxby and Maud are sleeping. You know, Mrs. Suxby seems to have um, replaced her with yeah. Maud and – we know she has in mm. a twisted way, but that Maud isn't enjoying it. But Sue just goes crazy. Which is interesting if we think then about the mother-daughter relationships mm. because it's sort of the whole thing starts with this idea of Sue's mother being a murderess. Yes. Um, which is almost like some kind of prophecy yeah. for the end of the book when the woman who has raised her as yeah. a mother is hanged as a murderer. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's really interesting. But then this kind of cycle of mothers and daughters, mothers and daughters, and, yeah, that, that betrayal within that even. Yeah. But, yeah, we talked about it before, that ultimate redemption. Mm. So I, uh, <laughs> I think this book uses some really interesting literary devices. Yeah. Let's talk about that, the three parts. That's a really obvious one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, no, I thought it's a really interesting one to kind of from one person's perspective, and then in the in the the um, 
in line with the whole heist thing and the and that that cycle of betrayal, seeing that one side where you think, oh my god, you know, this is and the cliffhanger at the end of that first oh part's really great. <gasps> when you realise, oh my god, she's being set up, and yeah. then to get the other side of the story to realise, oh my god, that's yeah. a really so, shitty existence. So, I know where you're trying to get out. Yeah. So part one is is told from perspective Sue. Part two, exactly the same story told from the other side from oh, Maud's perspective, mm. and then the, back in the third section, it's Sue again yeah, coming uh, together. And yeah. Finishing it, and uh, it's 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 masterly. It's, it's a masterly, very clever. masterly um, narrative device because, as we've said before, it constantly keeps you on your toes. It does, and it, it's one of those books. And I know a lot of people who've read it who just they can't put it down, yeah. particularly when they get past that first part. Yeah. Like once they're past that, yeah. and they see that, you know, Sue's being carted off, and she realizes that she was the one being set up the whole time. You don't want to stop reading it. God, it is, I love a book that does that. It's oh, just it's so the good. Best. And the first time you get to read something like that is there's it's a magical experience, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. As a reader, you're just like, oh, I'm gonna eat this book, and I'm not ever sleeping again. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so no, definitely, definitely, it's a very good. Yeah, no, mm. I felt like that about Tipping the Velvet too. Although Tipping the Velvet is. Not as good as this one because, uh, well, you haven't read it, um, Alice. I have but, not. But you should. Alice doesn't know. Do you have you watched the BBC production? Of course. Okay. <laughs> no, the book's better. But yes. <laughs> in, in Tipping the Velvet is also in three parts. But uh, mm. it's a while since I've read it. But uh, from what I remember, part three is a real disappointment after parts one and two. I love part three. Oh, me too. For me, it, for me, it really kind of went downhill. But parts one and two are outstanding and yeah. especially part one when we first meet. Um, what's the oyster girl's name? Um, Kitty. Oh no, when we the the main character. Yeah. What is her name? Um, Don't look at me. I've only Nan. watched the series. <laughs> when we first meet Nan and the the visceral Oysters. sort of um, atmosphere of 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 the where she lives and what she does for a living, which is they call her an oyster girl. Oysters used to be food, uh, not food for rich people but mm. food for poor people because you could go and get them off the water's edge. Do yeah. not make that face Neil. <laughs> that is an inappropriate face. <laughs> Which face? <laughs> anyway, I, I, look it hit me like, hit me like a you know, I could smell the salt, yeah. salt water of the oysters, and and this you know, again slipperiness of yes, this food. She's good, and uh, yeah, just mm. and the way she creates that sense of place. I mean, you know, you in Fingersmith, you can feel that uh, Briar the house that's all falling down and is mouldy, and and there's yep. uncared for and all that mm. sort of stuff. It's it's as I said, visceral. But at the same time, there's those parts where Maud and, and Lily are outside Maud, in the countryside. So Maud and Lily, Maud, Lily and Susan Trinder yeah. are outside. and Because everything's so oppressive yeah. when they're in the burrow and then when they're in the bry house and then they're outside. Yeah. And you get these moments of freedom from them, which are, is yeah. really beautiful. It's it's very clever yeah. the way that she, she writes that, which kind of you get, takes us back to that description. You feel it and you smell it. Oh, it's yeah. really clever. So is it safe to say that we're all fans? We would all recommend Fingersmith? Oh my God, yes. We recommend. We recommend. We do. Please read it. go and you read must. it. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au.